Thank you, Paul. If you have a Bible, could I invite you to turn to Daniel chapter 8. It's page 893 in the, in the Pew Bibles. This chapter includes not so much a shaggy dog story, but certainly a shaggy goat one. Uh, two years after his last dream, uh, which we looked at uh, about a month ago now, his last dream in chapter 7, Daniel in chapter 8 receives an appalling vision. And those are his words, they're not mine. And although this is uh, more of the same, more is what Paul said right at the start, more apocalyptic literature. I don't want us to be put off by that. I don't want us to be intimidated by it. I don't want us to be scared by it. I'll be the first to admit, again as Paul referred to, and as many of you know, that I wasn't overly keen on continuing uh, this series in Daniel after chapter 6. But I, but I have discovered and I am discovering that uh, this material is and can be incredibly helpful and hopeful and hope-filled, uh, although that doesn't mean that our next series will be in Revelation. Uh, but I do have that penciled in, by the way, at Windsor for autumn 2033. <laughs> so uh, I'll be long gone. Okay. Let's stand together for the public reading of God's compelling word. And the reason we are reading this and the reason we are doing this series is picking up the title that's on the screen. It is to encourage us to keep the faith. This is our desire. This is our aim. Uh, Just before we read, can I remind you of the big headline, the kind of major theme of Daniel, which, which Paul has touched on, in spite of current circumstances. And remember... Current circumstances for the people of God in Daniel's day was exile in Babylon. It was life in a hostile context. It was faith in a foreign land. But in spite of current circumstances, here's the big message of Daniel. God is still in control and God will win. And if you remember nothing else, please remember that because this still applies. Despite current circumstances, and for us as Christians living today, many of us kind of feel that we're living in an exilic context. We're living in an environment where it is hard, tough, difficult to live out an authentic Christian witness. But in spite of current circumstances, God's still in control. And do you know something? God will win. So say, if you remember nothing else, just hold on to that. Let's, let's read. In the third year of King Belshazzar's reign, I, Daniel, had a vision after the one that had already appeared to me. And in my vision, I saw myself in a citadel of Susa in the province of Elam. And in the vision, I was beside the Eula Canal. And I looked up, and there before me was a ram with two horns standing beside the canal. And the horns were long. And one of the horns was longer than the other, but grew up later. I watched the ram as it charged towards the west and the north and the south. No animal could stand against it. None could rescue from its power. It did as it pleased, and it became great. And as I was thinking about this, suddenly a goat with a prominent horn between its eyes came from the west, crossing the whole earth without touching the ground. It came towards the two-horned ram I had seen standing beside the canal and charged at it in a great rage. I saw it attack the ram furiously, striking the ram and shattering its two horns. The ram was powerless to stand against it. The goat knocked it to the ground, trampled on it, and none could rescue the ram from its power. 
the goat became very great, but at the height of its power, the large horn was broken off, and in its place four prominent horns grew up towards the four winds of heaven. Out of one of them came another horn which started small but grew in part of the south and to the east and towards the beautiful land. It grew until it reached the host of heavens and it threw some of the starry hosts down to the earth and trampled on them. It set itself up to be as great as the commander of the army of the Lord. It took away the daily sacrifice from the Lord and his sanctuary was thrown down. Because, the rebellion, because of rebellion, the Lord's people and the daily sacrifice were given over to it. It prospered in everything it did and truth was thrown to the ground. Then I heard a holy one speaking and another holy one said to him, how long will it take for the vision to be fulfilled? The vision concerning the daily sacrifice, the rebellion that causes desolation, the surrender of the sanctuary and the trampling underfoot of the Lord's people. And he said to me, it will take 2,300 evenings and mornings, then the sanctuary will be re-consecrated. While I, Daniel, was watching the vision and trying to understand it, there before me stood one who looked like a man. And I heard a man's voice from the Eliah calling, Gabriel, tell this man the meaning of the vision. And as he came near the place where I was standing, I was terrified and I fell prostrate. Son of man, he said to me, understand that the vision concerns the end of the time. And while he was speaking to me, I was in a deep sleep with my face to the ground. And then he touched me and raised me to my feet. He said, I'm going to tell you what will happen later in the time of wrath because the vision concerns the appointed time of the end. The two-horned ram that you saw represents the kings of Media and Persia. The shaggy goat is the king of Greece and the large horn between its eyes is the first king. The four horns that replaced the one that was broken off represent four kingdoms that will emerge from his nation but will not have the same power. In the latter part of their reign, when rebels have been completely wicked, a fierce-looking king, a master of intrigue, will rise. He will become very strong, but not by his own power. He will cause astounding devastation, and he will succeed in whatever he does. He will destroy those who are mighty, the holy people. He will cause deceit to prosper, and he will consider himself superior. And when they feel secure, he will destroy many, and he will take a stand against the prince of princes. Yet he will be destroyed, but not by human power. The vision of the evenings and the mornings that has been given you is true, but seal up the vision, for it concerns the distant future. I, Daniel, was worn out. I lay exhausted for several days. Then I got up and I went about the king's business. I was appalled by the vision. It was beyond understanding. Uh, one, of the, one of the things I need to say up front, uh, and this is good, it's definitely better than the previous chapter, but in terms of interpretation, in kind of terms of working out who is who or what is what and who these kind of various animals and their horns refer to, there is almost, almost universal agreement amongst scholars and commentators about who is who and what is what. There is a bit of debate regarding that reference to 2,300 days and we'll come to that. But this vision in general, please hear that, this vision in general is not as complex as the first vision Daniel got in chapter 7. And so what I'm going to do this morning, or attempt to do, and you kind of need to hang in here with me because this could take away, but what I'm going to attempt to do is I'm going to take you through the vision alongside the interpretation, Gabriel's interpretation, and attempt to take you through how this vision panned out according to most people. 
You see, in verse 17, when the angel Gabriel says, Daniel, you need to understand that the vision concerns the end of the time. Now, immediately when we, we read phrases like that, many people think, well, that refers to the ultimate end, as in the very end, as in Christ's return end. But quite honestly, that, that's a kind of minority view now. General broad consensus agrees that the end that this particular vision refers to is the second century BC. So in other words, it's about 400 years down the line from Daniel. So the end that this vision refers to has happened. And I'll explain and say a little bit more about why as we go along. But let me make another comment about the end, only this time the end of the chapter, the very final phrase. Because although we can look back and we can kind of trace more or less what this vision was referring to, because hindsight is a great thing. But for Daniel, this was a shocking revelation. It really was. Because this was, was regarding what was about to happen who knows when as far as he was concerned. And therefore, it sent his head spinning his heart racing and his stomach churning. As verse 27 says, I, Daniel, was overcome by this. I lay sick for several days. I was appalled by this. This experience and glimpse of the future left Daniel dazed and nauseous. And just as a slight aside, God's revelation, God's word can do that. You see, God's word still has the potential to affect human beings at a very deep level. And so when Peter preached God's word at Pentecost, we read that people's response was their hearts were cut open. When God's word, when God's revelation was shared, people's hearts were cut. Jeremiah discovered that when God's word came to him, it was like a fire burning in his bones. And therefore, as I read this final verse in Daniel 8, I am struck again by the strong and intense effect on our hearts and minds that the word of God can have. Can have. And it is my hope and prayer that as God's word remains a central focus of this church, that it will continue to deeply impact hearts and minds at that kind of level. That it will really have an intense effect on us. So let's unpack the vision. Daniel sees a ram with two long horns. In verse 20, we're explicitly told by the interpreter who that ram refers to, who these horns refer to. It represents the kings of Media and Persia, says Gabriel. And Daniel watches as this kind of two-horned ram charges all over the place, doing as it pleases, becoming great. And so what Daniel is discovering, and as Paul has referred to earlier, is, is that more world superpowers are going to rise after Babylon, after this current superpower that has got us in exile. More world superpowers are going to come. Here's two of them, Media, Persia. And they're going to dominate, and they're going to make life incredibly difficult for the people of God. 
Now, what Daniel doesn't know, and we do, because we know the history, that the Median Persian Empire lasted for another couple of hundred years. So back to the vision, as Daniel reflects on this two-horned ram, and he's no idea how long it's going to charge about for. But as he reflects on it, he sees this single-horned goat fly in, literally fly in, because it says his feet don't touch the ground, and so like an exocet missile. From the west, it attacks the ram, and it takes it out, and it shatters its two horns. And again, we're not going, well, well, who does this goat refer to? Because in verse 21, Gabriel explains that this shaggy goat is the king of Greece. And its large horn is the first king of Greece, which is, as we know, it turns out to be Alexander the Great. But for Daniel, again, all he's discovering is more worldly empires are going to rise and they're going to create havoc. And back to the vision. At the height of its power, this large horn is going to get broken off. And as Daniel watches, he sees four prominent, more prominent horns growing in its place. Down to the interpretation, verse 22, we see that those horns represent four more kingdoms that will emerge from this nation of Greece. But it won't have the same level of power as the first horn did, the Alexander the Great horn. Again, press fast forward for Daniel, rewind for us. And we know that after Alexander the Great's sudden death at only the age of 33 in 323 BC, four of his powerful generals took charge of segments of his kingdom. So from our vantage point here, we can track the vision. But for Daniel, would you know all he's discovering? All he's discovering is there's a long road ahead. There's like a really really long road ahead. Kingdoms are going to come. Kingdoms are going to go. There's going to be turbulence. There's going to be trouble. It's going to be hard. And do you know what we're going to need to do? We're going to need to bed down. And we're going to need to persevere. And we're going to need to learn resilience we're going to need to discover durable discipleship. We're going to need to learn what does it mean to be faithful in difficult circumstances for who knows how long. And in all of this, going back to the big headline that I said at the start, and this is the core reason why God has given Daniel this vision. Because what God is helping Daniel to realize and to be reminded of is, listen, I'm still in control, Daniel. I can see the future. I know how this pans out. I know what, what lies ahead. I see the bigger picture. I see perspective. A new day is coming, Daniel. But for you and for the Israelites, you're going to have to be prepared for the long term. John Walton, in, in his book, Surveying the Old Testament, puts it like this as he comments on the implications of this vision. It says, in the meantime, in, the, in this long-term time, the Israelites are going to have to live out their faith in a Gentile world under circumstances that would make it more and more difficult to do so. As these empires rise and fall, it's going to be harder and harder to be a Christian. 
They had to count on the sovereignty of God to sustain them from generation to generation because this is going to go on, Daniel. And this is 400 years after Daniel, before this all comes to an end. Crisis by crisis. They also had to trust the power of God to control the flow of world empires as they rose and they fell. God's agenda, but is never in jeopardy. They were to be prepared for the long term. And you see, for us, and I know this can be hard to get our heads around. I fully appreciate that, and I'm doing my best. But for us, as we think of a new day coming, and there is, there is a new day coming for us. We've sang about that new day already this morning. When Jesus will return, do you know something? We still need to live, live out our faith in a difficult environment. And Jesus has made it really clear that that's the way it's going to be and it's the way it is. And Jesus said, yep, you're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars and nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be earthquakes and there will be famines. But you know what these are? These are simply the way things will be in the present age. And as Dale Ralph Davis says, it is in and through these bumps and jumps and lumps of history. Do you know what we are called to be? Faithful. We need to bed down for the long term. We need resilience. We need durable discipleship. Daniel had no idea when all this was going to happen. But he was being made aware that it would in the same way that we are being made and have been made aware of exactly how it will be. And so what's the message? The message is live the life. Prepare for the long hold. Take a long view of discipleship, knowing that, listen, God is in control despite how hard it is, despite your circumstances. Well, back to the vision, because it becomes even more of a nightmare for Daniel. As another horn sprouts out of one of the four, and it says it starts small, but as Daniel watches this vision unfold, this small horn that sprouts out of one of the four grows and it kind of sets its sights on two destinations of note. End of verse 9, end of verse 10. One destination it sets its sights on is the beautiful land, Canaan, the promised land. The other destination it sets its sight on are on the hosts of heaven. In other words, this particular small horn is also going to be prepared to wage war against the armies of heaven. It's going to make quite an impact, says this vision. Worship's going to suffer when this horn grows. Daily sacrifices, they're going to be halted. Temple's going to be overrun again. Truth, it's going to be chucked to the ground. It's going to become a casualty. And as the interpreter explains this part of the vision in verses 23 and 25, he simply emphasizes the astounding devastation that this horn, this fierce-looking master of intrigue is going to cause. And for Daniel, this was an extremely disturbing development. I mean, it was hard up to now, but, but this is really hard. And again, as we look back, we can track how this was fulfilled. Because after those four Greek generals, those four horns came and went on the stage of world history, a Hellenistic Greek king called Antiochus IV, or Antiochus Epiphanes, 
he eventually wormed his way into power in 175 BC, and he established himself as a completely wicked and fierce-looking king, and he insisted on a forced paganization program. And it was meant to corrupt, and it was meant to decimate every aspect of Israel's faith and practice, and so he banned temple sacrifices. And he did all those things that this vision referred to. And we know lots about him, and many people know lots about him from intertestamental writings, such as the book of Maccabees and others. And again, most biblical scholars are in agreement, and that's why I'm saying what I'm saying and what I'm sharing this morning. Most biblical scholars are in agreement that this fourth small horn that grew out of one of the four other horns is Antiochus the fourth. Well, back to the vision. Because there's no doubt there is hope at the end. Because this fifth horn's impact and influence was time-limited according to the vision. There was an explicit reference to a better day. And so as Daniel watches and as he listens, look at verse 13. He hears one of the holy ones ask one of the other holy ones a great question. It's not the why question, but it's the how long question. And that's a question so many of us ask so many times, isn't it? How long is this going to go on for? How long do we have to wait until the new day comes? How long do we have to bed down? How long is resilient, durable discipleship required? How long? And the answer comes. It'll take 2,300 evenings and mornings. And then the temple will be reconsecrated. There is going to be restoration. There is hope. And as Gabriel later explains in verse 25, that fifth horn will be destroyed. There is a reference saying not by human powers. Which again is this idea, listen, see whatever happens on the stage of world history, God's in control. Don't forget that. And it did happen because around 166 B.C., a guy called Judas Maccabees led a rebellion against Antiochus IV and he triumphed and Jerusalem was taken back and temporal sacrifices were reinstated. And today, many Jewish people still celebrate that historic victory by Judas Maccabees with the observance of Hanukkah, the festival of lights. And just a quick comment on the 2,300 evenings and mornings because this is where there is a significant amount of debate. Does that mean 2,300 days? Or does that mean 1,150 days, i.e. half of that? Because it may mean 2,300 evening and morning sacrifices. Either way, as with all numbers in Daniel, and I can't say this strongly enough, but as with all numbers in Daniel, don't get hung up on nailing them down. The critical point to note is that there is a definite end in sight and in view. And so that was the vision. And that was the interpretation, not my interpretation, that was the angelic interpretation in the first place. And that is how it came to pass, according to most. But you go back to Daniel, and he's feeling sick. And he's told Daniel, seal up the vision because it concerns a distant future. And for him, it was another 400 years. He wasn't going to see it. 
And so what Daniel discovered is Israel's immediate future doesn't look that bright. And so what I need to share with God's people as a result of being given this vision, what I need to share is, folks, you need to expect an increasing period of difficulty and suffering. We're keeping your faith. It's going to be a challenge. You're going to need to learn perseverance. You're going to need to learn determination before your ultimate deliverance will come. And the thing is that for God's people living in exile at that time, this was actually, and it may be hard to believe, but this was actually good news. And the reason this was good news was they needed to know that what they were going through at the moment under Babylon, what they were going to go through under Media, Persia, all those horns, what they were going to go through, they needed to know that it was not evidence, it was not proof that God's abandoned us. God has turned his back on us for good. God has lost control of world history. God has lost control of what he was doing with us. Present circumstances and the challenges that lay ahead did not mean there is no hope. It doesn't mean you might as well pack up and pack it in. This future vision was meant to settle them in the present and strengthen them for the future. God is still in control. God knew what lay ahead. And in his kindness, God chose to reveal that to Daniel. And so it wasn't going to be easy. And so as the title for the series is, folks, keep the faith. Keep the faith. Don't give up. And as I close this morning, there is a very real sense in which that message and that encouragement is relevant to us as 21st century Christians. Because listen to what Jesus said to his disciples and to us. Listen to what Jesus said. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. Please hear that phrase and take that phrase to heart. Because there is the potential. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they're offering service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember what I warned you about them. So the question is, all this I have told you, all what, Jesus? All what have you told us so that we won't fall away? You see, if you go back to John 15, here's what Jesus says. The world's going to hate you. The world's going to hate you in the same way it hated me. And what Jesus was doing is he's forewarning his disciples and he's forewarning us and he's forearming us. You're going to have to, if you're serious about following me, like, if you're serious about not just starting out well, but finishing well, if you're serious, you need to be prepared for a tough ride. Life as my follower is not going to be easy. There's going to be hassle, there's going to be struggles. You're going to have to live out your faith in a hostile environment. Jesus knew what it was going to be like being a Christian in this world. And so he hides nothing, he buries nothing. 
He doesn't say, just come to me and all will be great. No. Up front, he says, it's going to be hard. And you're going to be squeezed. And like those, Niger- like those Christians in Nigeria, you're going to be persecuted. And people are going to hate you whenever you stand up for truth. And the reason I'm telling you this is so that you won't fall away. And you see, Jesus knew that for now and for the foreseeable future, there are going to be attempts to crush us and dilute our worship. But he says, I've told you so that when their time comes, when the oppression is ramped up, and when it happens, you will remember that I've warned you about this. And so Jesus needed his followers, and he needs us to take the long view because he knows the future. He knows it will be worth it in the long run. In John 14, what does Jesus say? I'm going to prepare a place for you. Yeah, I'm going to prepare a place for you. There is a new day coming. There is a better day coming. But you see, for the foreseeable future, it's going to be hard. And that very much is the sense of Daniel 8. Daniel, here's a glimpse of the future. It's not pretty. It's not nice. It's tough. But hang in there and encourage the people to hang in there. Why? Because I'm in control. I know what lies around the corner. In fact, I know what lies 100 miles up the road. So keep the faith. And so the question is, as we wait for the end, are we going to do that? Or are we going to fall away? As many do. And the final comment I want to make is a question. Because apart from being deeply impacted by God's vision of the future, did you notice what else Daniel did in response to it in verse 27? Have a look at verse 27. Somebody tell me, just to make sure you're still awake with me. What else was Daniel's uh, response having been impacted by the vision according to verse 27? He goes back to work. See that? Then I got up and I went about the king's business. Daniel went back to work and got all my life. With God's word and God's future ringing in his ears and coursing through his veins. And that's our challenge. We've heard God's word. And now we walk out of here and we get on with life.